I knew who the man is that done all that. Hebrews chapter number 6. Hebrews chapter number 6 this morning. Hebrews chapter number 6. I'm going to begin to read with verse number 13. Hebrews chapter number 6. And beginning to read with verse number 13. God sure has been good to us. That he gave us a Savior. A great high priest. Who has reckoned himself. Took upon himself. Our wretchedness. And hung on Calvary. And to a lot of folks, that's where it ends. That's where it wound up. But thanks be unto God, that's not where it wound up. And listen, it didn't even wind up at a tomb. Matter of fact, it still ain't over. Now, the payment of sin's finished. It was finished on Calvary. But the Savior of our soul, our Lord is alive and well today. Our great high priest is alive and well. We see in the past few weeks in chapter 6, uh, we saw that uh, Paul had exhorted the readers, and, and as we said in the 6th chapter, there's been a, through the years, been a whole a lot of misconception and entire religions have been born off of taking scripture out of context. Doctrine has been raised that are false from the sixth chapter of the book of Hebrews. Not understanding what the scripture, what the writer said as he would say it's impossible for those who were once enlightened have tasted of the heavenly gift. In other words, they would say, well, if you've ever been saved, then it's impossible for you to ever get or ever to been saved and, and, and do wrong or whatever. I'm here to tell you that's not at all what Paul was saying. Paul said there, the writer was saying there that, that it's a good possibility there's a whole bunch of folk that's made a profession in Christ that never have been saved to start with. Never have trusted Christ to begin with. And it's impossible for those who have done that and been partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God. Boy, we talked about that a few weeks ago. How that there's been some that have set into the preaching of the word of God, have come under Holy Spirit conviction, have told God no, have walked away. God said it's impossible for them who have done that, if they shall fall away to renew them again into repentance, seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God. I'm, when I said, when's that time come? That's not for me to tell. That's God's business. But I'm here to tell you, you better be careful in telling God no. You better be careful in telling God no. You better be careful in turning the Lord away. You wind up in hell if you're not careful. So we saw in the last few verses that Paul has exhorted the readers to, to make their calling and their election sure, if you want to put it in my words, 
in my own words if I can. So he's exhorted them to be sure that you're saved. It don't hurt nobody to be sure you're saved. Amen? Does it bother you to make sure that you've been born again? If there is a problem stirring in your heart, then you ought to be on your face today and saying, God, please, knowing the time that we're living in, knowing the days that I'm living in, God, help me to not leave here today unsure of how I stand with you. We need to make sure. Make that, make that sure. Now we find out that God, completely different than what the lost or, or false religion has taught about these chapters, God is letting us know toward the end of this chapter <coughs> that he is prepared to help us all the way. He's not going to let us down. He's not going to leave us alone. Somebody said, Preacher, I just don't know that I, I can make it. You can't. You can't. But you ain't got to, bless God. He's done made it for you. Amen. Just make sure your anchor holds. Just, just make sure your anchor's in the right place. All right? That's all you got to do. I, I, I can't preach before I read. Let me go ahead and, and read the scripture. Hebrews chapter number 6, beginning to read with verse number 13. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whether the forerunner is for us entered in, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Father in heaven, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the precious word of God. Thank you for just a little bit of understanding. Thank you, God, for the helps that we have. Thank you, God, for the Lord Jesus, most of all, our high priest that today, dear God, has taken our place. God has went into the very holy of holies. God, we know that because of this and because he's done this, because of where our faith has been placed, God, we have a hope and we have a home and we have a future in heaven. Not because we're deserving of it, God, but because he paid the way. And God, because he is the way. Because, God, he is our Father and our, our Lord and our God and our Savior today. Lord, I thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, God, as we stand to preach, I pray that you'd make us able to say the things, Lord, that we need to say and make it clear to understanding. I pray, God, for Holy Spirit unction that you would go before us, O oh God, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
And God, you would deal with hearts in the manner. God, you give victory in the lives of those that are seeking victory. God, you give assurance in those that need assurance today. Then God, you would show those that are lost, God, their need of trusting Christ. God, you're the only one can do something like that. We can't. We just want to trust you to do so. Would you use us, I pray. Help that one that's lost to be saved. In Jesus' name, I do ask it. For he is worthy. Amen. And amen. Thank you. And you might be seated. I want to preach to you if I can this morning. Just on, for a few minutes on the subject of the promise of the high priest. The promise of the high priest. Notice the scripture said in verse number 13. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Now, when we think of the promise of the high priest, I want to first of all think about the power that existed in God's promise to Abraham. The power that existed in God's promise in verse 13. We can go back in the Bible and we can recall and remember that Abraham faced a great test according to the Scripture. Uh, Abraham, God gave Abraham the ultimate test. Uh, and that, that, that test was that, that he told him to go offer his son, his only son Isaac, uh, uh, there as a sacrifice unto, unto him. Uh, when he went there, he went to worship he and Abraham and Isaac went alone and they carried the fire, they carried the wood, but they didn't carry a lamb. And they didn't carry a lamb or a ram to offer there. We find in the story as it goes on as, that, as they came unto the place where that they would worship. As a matter of fact, if you'd go back and run a little, uh, run a little reference on that, you'll find that uh, that some uh, a few thousand years later, that that same hill will uh, be mentioned, and it'll be in the midst of Jerusalem there, and that's the hill that's called Golgotha. It's the place called Mount Calvary, and there at that same place where Abraham would offer Isaac as a sacrifice. God would offer his only begotten son as well. And he would fulfill of the promise that you and I would have. Abraham's test was that day that he would, uh, would prove unto God his sincere love for God. And he would offer Isaac as a sacrifice. Now, we know the story how that uh, when that test was given that, that Isaac was uh, laid and was bound upon the altar. Abraham drew back the knife and about to kill him and, and the angel of the Lord spoke and said uh, uh, don't do this thing because God has provided uh, a ram and they overhung in the bulrushes uh, was a ram that God had provided ever since then. God's always provided a way and I say bless the holy name of the Lord God uh, for the way in which he's provided today. Uh, for you and me that we could have life and we could have it more abundantly but listen the power of the promise of God God had promised Abraham to begin with he said Abraham I'm going to make you a great nation I'm going to make you I'm going to bless you he said in verse 14 saying surely a blessing I will bless thee and multiplying I will multiply thee as we look in the scripture we find that because of Abraham's faithfulness to God and because of his faith 
think God said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn your seed into something great. I'm going to make your seed a great nation. And we still see that today, by the way. Hallelujah. How they can take and kill them by the millions, and it doesn't matter. They're going to come back. Amen. They're still God's people today. You can be anti-Semitic if you want to. You can curse the Jews. You can teach them in the schoolhouses what you want to about them. But you'll never change the mind of God who his people truly are. They're still the people of Israel, the promised seed of Abraham. He said, I will surely richly bless you to a man who had one son. God said, I'm going to make you a great nation. You imagine that now. What did Abraham, could you imagine? If I'd have been Abraham, God, whoo, you got some work to do, buddy. If you're going to make me and my one son, I've got one son. If, and I've got a daughter too, but, but I'm talking about the son's going to carry on the nation. If you're going to make me and my one son a great nation, you've got some work to do. And, and boy, we just couldn't see it, and, and I wouldn't be able to see it. But the Bible said that Abraham was faithful. He was faithful. Notice what the Bible said about him here. Uh, notice uh, uh, this, that, that he said, I assure richly I'll bless you. Uh, and now it required the faith of Abraham's part to continue in the way that God would have him to go. There's always that, that, that way of compromise. There's always that way of, of deterring. There's always that way of, of turning around and going in a different way. There's always the pressure that the world has to take your eyes off of the Lord. Amen. There's always that direction. There's always that. But then we see that this promise, the power of God's promise. Then we see the purity of his promise. Notice, if you will, in verse 13, when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. And that's what he said when he said, Surely, blessing I will multiply thee, and multiplying I will multiply, blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after, notice this, and so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Hebrews tells us over here later in the chapter that by his faith, by, by his faith that he obtained this promise. When, when we see here that when he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. When, when man would wish to give emphasis to a promise, they, the Bible, we find out even through history, would say that they would swear by an oath, right? You get into a court of law. You ever seen a court of law? Been a, you ever seen a witness be sworn in in a court of law? And they would say, uh, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. In other words, there's no greater that you can swear by. And listen, uh, that, 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 that emphasis right there in that court of law would say, he'd say, so help you God. God himself said, if I'm telling you this, you can bank on it. If I'm telling you this, you can, you can rest assured in it. When he could swear by no greater, he swore by him. What's he swearing? That I'm going to give you a better place. I'm going to take you to a better land. I'm going to give you a better country. I'm going to increase your seed. I'm telling you what today, I'm not flying by the seat of my britches either, brother, because I've got a hope that's in heaven, and it's because
because, uh, preacher, how do you know? How do you know that you're going to really go to heaven? Because my Bible tells me uh, that I'm going to go to heaven. And because it's written, and thus saith the word of God. And because God, who cannot lie, who's already settled it, he said it, it's been done, it's been taken care of. The Bible said that he, that God made his swearing by himself. Notice this, the, the Bible said uh, that, he, that he cannot lie. He, can, uh, he, he knows uh, uh, human frailty, uh, but he made an unbreakable oath unto man. That's what he did. An oath that was, uh, that is uh, just, uh, I mean, God would not break it. Now, I want you to think about something. We see it everywhere we go today. Things that just people know, okay? Things that are really, in some of our minds, common sense have now been brought up into question. Right? I don't know about you. I was taught in school that the earth was round. Right? Y'all taught that? Okay. I, I, I ain't figured this thing out yet. And there's a whole lot I don't know about it. But we got folks today that's coming up in the, in the, in the educational systems of the world that's saying the earth is flat. Now, God has told us that the orb of this earth is a circle. God's in his word has told us that, has he not? But mankind has brought into question the truth of God's Word. And they try to tr prove it, Joe, by His Word. They're cherry-picking what they want. Okay, now uh, listen to me. What, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this. Humans today and have always been prone to unbelief. They've always been prone to unbelief. Think about this before you got saved. If you weren't saved at a young age, then it was hard for, harder for you to come to the reality to think you were really in need of a Savior. Why? Because there was that seed of unbelief there. You know, the only thing that God said he wouldn't forgive and it was unpardonable was unbelief. That's the only thing that God said, I can't look over. I can't, I, listen, unbelief, that sin of unbelief against God, sin of, today in the school systems, in our, in our, in our universities, uh, uh, what we're finding is they're teaching that the Bible isn't true at all, that you evolved. This thing we know about the truth is in question. What is it doing? It's planting doubt. Now, so, so humans are prone to unbelief. Here's what the Jews would say about it. Show us. If you're really the Christ, come down from that cross. If you're really the Christ, what, what did Herod say? If you're really who you say you are, won't you do me a miracle right here so I can look at it and see it? If you're really who you say you are, why don't you do that for me? First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 22 said, for the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. There's no faith anywhere in there mentioned, is there? Friend, today, I'm here to tell you, the reason that you've not been saved is because that you don't believe. 
That's the, Brother Philip, there's no other reason other than you don't believe. Preacher, you don't know me. I, I, I've tried to believe. There ain't no trying to do it, friend. It's either accept God by faith, accept his word by faith, and believe it, or reject it. Now, how refreshing. I got to thinking about this this week in studying this thing. How refreshing it must be to God when we're willing to take his word at face value. Don't you imagine it blesses the heart of our Lord when he said they believed me? That's what Abraham did. He believed God. That's what Paul did when he stood on the ship in the Acts of the Apostles and said, for sirs, I believe God. Don't you just imagine that God looks upon that that thing, and he has some type of, 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 of just, I don't say pride, but, but joy within his heart that would, that would make him say, I'm thankful. I, I, I appreciate my, my children that, that take my word at face value without insisting on a sign or a proof. Today, folks say, well, uh, we can look around and see that the Lord's going to come. I can tell you, I could, if I was blind, and if I was deaf, I could still tell you, if somebody could read to me the Bible, I could still tell you the Lord was going to come. If I had some way of reading it in Braille or something like that, I could still tell you the Lord was going to Why? Because the Bible says he's coming. I don't need a sign to know that the Lord's coming. But now, there are things that are pointing to the coming of the Lord. They, they, you know, think about how refreshing it is just to believe God at his word. They said, I was reading about David Livingston. Y'all know the great missionary David Livingston. David Livingston, they, they said his favorite verse in the scripture, his favorite portion of text was Matthew 28 and verse number 20. Where the, that portion it said, he said, Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. David Livingston spent his life in the, in the, in the, in the wilderness of Africa winning, winning, witnessing, and telling uh, those, uh, those African tribes about the Lord Jesus Christ and, and preaching to them his life. Uh, many times we've heard stories of how he came in un under danger and, and how his life was about to be destroyed. And they said that, that if you read his diary, read his journal, uh, that when danger or difficulty would always uh, would, would come about, that it would always prompt him to record in that verse uh, of his journal, record in his journal that verse of Scripture uh, and that, that would say, Lo, I'm with thee always, even to the end of the world. And he would say something like, A perfect gentleman, and our God has promised me that he would never leave me, and he'd never forsake me, and he said he'd always be with me. So I'm believing that God is going to see me through this thing. Danger and difficulty would always do that. You see, God wants us to trust his word. God wants you to trust his word. Hey, friend, those of you that are lost, you know what God wants you to do? God wants you to trust his word. Jesus is the word, by the way. Let me go ahead and say that. He said, uh, he said in John chapter number 1, he said, the, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. He said, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. as the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and mercy. I'm just here to tell you today that we, as we stand here this morning, that we can trust God. 
And if there's anything that you need to do in order to be saved, preacher, what words do I need to say? I don't know that there is any recorded. But preacher, what, what, what direction do I need to pray? I don't know that there's a New Testament direction you need, to, you need to pray in direction to. But I can tell you that according to what I know about the Bible and what the Scripture plainly tells, that if you look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God, if you look unto him in faith, believing what he done, he done for you, and put your trust in that, then you too will have eternal life. You too can be born again. God wants you to trust his word. Psalm 138 and verse number 2. The psalmist said this, I will worship toward the holy, thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. What are you saying? What's he saying? The psalmist said, God, what you've done is you've made your word more important than your name. God, you have honored your word, and you will honor your word above your name. Hey, listen, friend, this church building may fall. I may fall. You may fall. But there's one thing that will be eternal. It will be everlasting. It will be forever. And that is the precious, holy word of God. When this world's on fire, take sure, make sure that your anchor is set in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you today, a friend, that we ain't got to go through life hoping that we make it to heaven. We don't have to go through life saying, boy, I hope I'm saved. That's just of the devil right there. You don't have to have that kind of attitude. You can know by the authority of the Word of God that you have been saved. But knowing our frailty, God helps us in our unbelief. God has always provided a way for mankind, hasn't he? The Garden of Eden, God provided an animal. That's what he did. Adam didn't have to kill it. God brought it. Genesis 6, when man's sin was so wretched upon the earth, there was only one family that was righteous. God provided an ark. When there was a famine in the land in the end of Genesis, God provided a man that would sustain his people. And his name was Joseph, a great type of the Lord Jesus, by the way. In Egypt, when Israel would be hurtfully treated, they would come to the end. They needed separation from the world. God provided the Red Sea so they could cross and get on the other side. Listen, I'm just here to tell you that God can deliver. Not only can he deliver, God will deliver. God will deliver. Look at verse 17. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the, the, the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath. Verse 17, he used the word here, immutability. The word immutability there, immutable, means unchangeable. Immutability means it's unchanging. In other words, uh, 
the, the, the immutability of his counsel. The word counsel there uh, means that, that has the, the, the meaning of the word purpose. God's purpose is to redeem mankind. Uh, that's, a, that's the purpose of God in our life. We fell. We made a mistake. We separated ourselves from God. Uh, we done that through Adam. Adam, our father, he made the choice that affected us all. We're all in danger. We're all in trouble. There's never been a man, never been a boy, girl other than Jesus that, that, that never had been a sinner and that wasn't separated and that wasn't lost uh, in their sin. I'm telling you uh, that, that, that those things have already been predetermined. Hey, listen, uh, that the purpose that God has is to, is to reconcile claim uh, to reclaim his possession that he once had that's what his desire is the old testament when men would sin when the sin of manslaughter would take place when the sin of manslaughter would take place they were guilty of it god put up some cities of refuge out there. When one would be found to be uh, in, in trouble and, and that manslaughter and that guilt, well, that, that's that involuntary or intentional killing of an individual, that man, woman, whoever it might be, could flee to the city of refuge, get through the doors and get through the walls and get on the other side of the city of refuge and could stay there and be safe. All right? Hold on to me now. Y'all ready? Y'all staying with me? They could stay there in that city of refuge. If they left that city of refuge, they were vulnerable. They could be avenged. Their, the death of the person could be avenged upon them. Until the high priest died. Come the death of the high priest, you know what happened? They were made free. That sin was no longer mentioned. It was gone while the high priest had died, the one who would place the judgment had died. Brother, listen to me. We stay, y'all stay with me. We find here in verse number 18. That by two immutable, there's that word again, two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. First of all, there is that, it, that impossibility. God cannot lie. Once again, God would provide. God provided a place. Then we find the consolation in verse number 18. That consolation that he mentions there, that means comfort or solace. And God, by the oath of his own name, has promised us. He's promised us by his word to faithfully, faithfully see us home. Faithfully see us. Those of us who, you know what's happened? Our high priest, what's took place? We, we may have fled into the city of refuge, but our high priest has died. Hallelujah. And now we're free. We're, not, we're no longer under the condemnation of our sin. We're no longer under the condemnation 
of what that would come our way. I want you to see that well, if there's no greater picture of, of the security of the believer in God's precious word than you can find in this sixth chapter of the book of Hebrews, this chapter does not say you can lose it. But brother, this chapter testifies that it's impossible to lose. It's impossible. What happened, preacher, when I was guilty? You know what I did? I fled for refuge one day in Christ. Look at the last part of chapter, verse number 18. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. We might have that strong consolation, that strong solace, that, that strong comfort we can rest assured that what we've done and they, that he who had began that work in us shall perform it. Hey, brother, it's not going to go away. It's not going to be done away with. You can't get rid of it. You can't lose it. It ain't going to wear off. It's there perpetually. It's there eternally. It's a forever settled in heaven, and there's nothing that could ever do away with it. Hey, listen, I'm satisfied that I'm going to heaven pretty quick, amen, and it's not because of who I am. It's not even because I'm a preacher. Brother, it's because I have a Savior and His name is Jesus and that which He begun in me He's going to see it through hallelujah He's going to see it through what we need to understand today is that we ought to take consolation in this. When I was guilty, what did you do? When you were guilty, and I'm still a sinner, but I'm a sinner. Oh, I'm, I'm a sinner by nature, but I don't try to practice it all the time, okay? I don't, see, I don't try to see how good a one I can be no more. Amen. I try to, I tell you what, I try, I try to be a little different than what I used to try to be. I don't try to make excuses for my sin anymore. When I sin now, I got condemnation on me. It bothers me. I don't want to be there. I don't want to do that. It's because because somebody lives within me that ain't never lived within me before. Hallelujah, his name is Jesus, and I hope he lives in you today. You see, number three, and I'll be done. See the perseverance of the promise. Look at verse 19. Which hope, which hope we have as an anchor. hope we have as an anchor. Word anchor there, it means a safeguard. It means persistent. But he describes that anchor. Now hold on, look at look with me. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Notice as he describes it right here. He said it's both sure and steadfast. The word sure means it can be relied upon. It can be held unto. It's secure. In other words, that anchor has grabbed a hold of something that ain't fixing to let go of it. That, that, that anchor, notice what that anchor is. That, that anchor is of the soul which is both sure and steadfast, sure, it can be relied upon, it's secure, it's stable, 
and it's steadfast. The word stable or steadfast means to be stable. It means to be firm. It means to be trustworthy. When a ship is, is out sea, that ship wants to go through a storm. When it goes through a storm, or when a storm approaches, they'll find the place where they need to get. They'll let down the moorings, the anchors. Those anchors, they'll sit there. They'll touch the bottom. They'll grab a hold of something. And it's secured them right there. Their anchor goes down. But if I'm gathering, let me gather. Y'all help me right here now. Because I've seen something here that don't talk about going down nowhere. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the faith. Brethren, our anchor is not cast downward. Our anchor is cast upward. And it goes into the Holy of Holies. Where Jesus is. Our anchor is cast there into the holy place. That's where our anchor is cast. Those of us have been saved. How many of you got your anchor cast there? How many of you got your anchor settled in that holy place, in that high place? I'm talking about have got your anchor in a sure, steadfast place. In a place that's settled. That it can't, when, when the storm comes, hey, brother, we ain't pulling it off. The, the anchor ain't coming loose. Why? Because the rock of ages has hold of it. Amen. My hope is there. Notice this. Notice this. He said it's both sure and steadfast which entereth into that which is within the veil. Hey, look at verse 20. Look at verse 20. Whether the forerunner is for us entered in. Entered. Even Jesus made a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. I looked at that. Y'all know what that word forerunner means? That means he's lead, leading the way. Christ was the first fruits of the first resurrection. He was the John the Baptist was the forerunner of Christ, right? He he led the way. He prepared the way for Christ to come on the scene, right? Ain't that what? Now, the Bible said what we find here in verse number 20, whether the forerunner is for us entered in or entered, even Jesus. What's that mean, preacher? That means he got there before us, but he's waiting on us to come on pretty quickly. That, that means that, that where he is, there shall we also be. Amen. That, that means that, that we're not going to live eternity separated here and yonder. But that means where the Lord is, uh, will be as well. And let me tell you, that that's the only if your hope, if your anchor holds in Christ Jesus this morning. It may not always feel like it's hope. Preacher, how do you know it's holding then? Because my Bible says that it's holding. And he said he cannot, cannot lie, Brother Joe. Preacher, how do you know that you're saved then? Because my Bible says that I am. And, and God cannot lie. Preacher, how do you know it's eternal? Because my Bible says it's eternal. And God cannot lie. Preacher, how do you know that you're going to make it? Because God said, I'm going to make it. He's there waiting upon me. Amen. You're going to go. 
going to go the same way I'm going. That's through the blood of the Lamb of God. That's the only way there is. Eternal, eternal security is all over these verses. Just as the security of the manslayer was purchased by the death of his priest, Jesus has gone into the Holy of Holies. He is our forerunner. One who has came to a place where the rest of us can follow. He's gone in. And if you're saved, you're going to. All who've been born again can go. What is it, preacher? It's sure. It's steadfast. It's a sure anchor. And it's gripped in the rock of ages. There was an old Baptist preacher in England. Was born in 1797. He died in 1874. His name was Edward Mote. Edward Mote had a tendency to write lyrics and poems and songs. One day while traveling, walking from the church back home, he got to thinking about how unsecure he was as a person, but how secure his faith was in Christ. He took out his pencil began to write down these words. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest in his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds. Where? Within the veil. He knew something about the book. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then Hope and stay. He shall come with trumpet sound. Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before his throne. In Christ, his solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Where's your anchor? What are you trusting in today? Jesus is the real high priest. He's the righteous high priest. And friend, he'll always be the ruling high priest. wonder today, is your anchor sure? Look at me. Without a doubt in your mind, I ain't talking to you. Without a doubt in your mind, I mean without a doubt, I mean one little bitty 
you doubt and doubt in your are you sure that your anchor holds? Or do you have some a little bit of confusion there? Are you a little bit unsettled on it? There's a reason God's had this preached. I don't want you to be unsettled. The years that I pastored, and almost 40 years, I have seen as many church members get lost and get saved as I have folks that's never been churched in their life. You'll come to the place where you'll be honest with yourself. Where you'll honestly answer honestly to yourself. You'll say, God, I'm just not sure. But I sure want to be sure today. I, I want to be, I want to know that, that my anchor holds. I, God, I want to know that I'm gonna make heaven when things in when, when this thing ends here. God help me. He said, I give you my word. I'll help you. You don't know this morning how you stand. Won't you come?